Hello and welcome to what feels like uh, m- might be one of the uh, two, uh, maybe the penultimate episode of this season of the Casual and the Diehards, uh, the basketball podcast here on the End Zone podcast feed. As we have just watched the Denver Nuggets clinch their first finals appearance in franchise history. A 4-0 sweep over the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll touch on that. We'll talk about a very uncompetitive Eastern Conference Finals as well. We'll talk about some of the teams that lost in the second round and what lies ahead for the offseason. And then I guess I'm sure as we have a Spurs fan on this podcast, we will get to the very bright future of the Spurs uh, towards the end of the podcast as well. Folks been a little bit it's nice to see all of you uh it's uh was nice to have a few weeks off and but i'm ready to to get back to it and uh it this feels like we'll just kind of call this our conference finals recap slash finals preview because it feels like we pretty much know what the finals are going to be at this point and uh there's a there's a lot of stuff to look forward to going in Let's just get right into it. Let's start with this game tonight. The Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers. And despite the fact LeBron James said, I'll try to put up 40, it didn't quite work. He can't. The old man can't do it by himself. And uh, I will just say, what, what just a ridiculous human being Nikola Jokic is. What just like, what a, what a ridiculous, like, to think a human being can look like that and move the way he does and shoot the way he does and dribble the way he does it's it's hard to imagine seeing anything like that ever again it, it feels uh truly unique and you know it was fun you know anthony davis gets a lot of credit as a defender but he could not defend Nikola Jokic. Yeah, that was never really a matchup in this series. He had no way to slow him down. And, you know, I like AD. I think he's a good player, and I think you can build around him. But I think if you ask him to defend guys like Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, he is he is not not maybe as great of a defender as, as people make him out to be. Do you think that's an accurate hot take Ethan Pierce I feel like <laughs> I feel I feel like it, it, it is uh, on the hot take spectrum like sure against like your average everyday like Stephen Adams like sure he'll shut you down but like when you run into these elite big men these Nikola Jokic's these Joe Allen beads Anthony Davis is a very average defender against those guys it's interesting with Davis I mean we saw him tear up the warriors in the last series and i saw i saw a tweet today um from one of my warriors fans that i follow and he was basically talking about how davis was really effective in that warrior series because he can kind of defend in space he's good when he switches onto the perimeter he can kind of defend wings and guards and smaller players um but you're you're you know right to an extent eric he's not as effective in the post and um the size that the lakers have didn't matter nearly as much in this nugget series um with the way that denver plays i mean Jokic is an MVP for a reason, right? There's nobody that can guard him. Um, Anthony Davis, nobody else on the planet is going to be able to guard Nikola Jokic, and he got his during this series. 
Um, so I think that's kind of what we were seeing. A lot of it is, is matchup based uh, in the Western Conference. And we saw the contrast there between the strengths of Davis versus some of the weaknesses of him. And that's kind of why the Lakers had the results that they had uh, during these last two rounds. Yeah. Aramis, your, your kind of thoughts on on how this Lakers season ended. Obviously, it's really impressive that they got this far, considering how they looked at the beginning of the year. But it does feel like the the window is kind of closing a little bit. I know that LeBron is a, a person we all, you know, on this call universally respect. But like even you guys, the most staunch LeBron defenders have to admit he he didn't drop 40 every game in this series. He didn't look like he did tonight every single game in this series. He managed, he picked his spots. He cannot be the dominant takeover games guy all four games uh, and let, let alone all 16 games of what an NBA finals run looks like. Sometimes it, it just feels like the Lakers have some more retooling to do during the off season, whether that be bringing in a guy like Kyrie Irving or someone else, but you, you cannot count on LeBron to be your primary scorer anymore. That, that would be my major take Aramis. No, no, you can't. Um, if me and my friend were talking about this the other day. LeBron's officially been downgraded to whatever he's been doing the last couple, the last two decades to a regular star player. And now he needs a team that can help him out. And credit to them, like you said, starting the season two and ten, and then being able to make the trades, um, get out of kind of Russell Westbrook and whatever bad juju that was going on with that. Get Jared Vanderbilt, get Rui Hachimura, who was a big part in this series, and kind of be able to build upon that. I think that that was a credit to their team, but they just ran up against somebody much better. Um, the it's all it's a it's a thing we like to say because we never like to count them out because it is a LeBron James led team, right? We we've been proven wrong before. He has the LeBron toe games. He has the comeback against Golden State. All these accolades and whatnot. But uh, we might have been. I feel like we were a little bamboozled about how good they would be against these Nuggets. Um, they the Nuggets were too big for their team already. Aaron Gordon was doing a pretty decent job, especially this game, getting the ball in the bucket, all them awkward threes. It feels like Nikola Jokic was too much for anybody in the league to handle. And um, it feels like the the Lakers didn't have to play real basketball until this series. No, no offense to Ethan and the Warriors, but they they uh, the Warriors. You're right, none taken. <laughs> yeah, uh, very inexperienced, very arrogant Grizzlies team got. Yeah up out of there quick. Um, the Warriors kind of told you who they were all season, a little bit discombobulated with the with some of the drama and never winning a game on the road, feeling like they could never get it together. So, I mean, coming up against the best team in the NBA, the best team in the weirdest Western Conference in a long time, I mean, this this pretty much should be probably what the outcome is, seven versus a, versus the one seed. Good. Kudos to them. Kudos to what the Lakers were able to figure out, but they just got to build up upon it next year. And you did make a point about bringing up, like, Kyrie specifically as a possible fix for the Lakers. No, no, no. They're talking about you have to trade Rui Hachimura for a Kyrie Irving. Shout out to shout out to uh, Kyrie and all that, but I'm not – I don't think I'm giving up a lot for Kyrie at this point. So the team just don't work for me. Nah, that's too much baggage for not enough uh, recent success right there. You know, that, that's something that you might you might put up with in the in the three, four, maybe even five years following his championship with uh 
with Cleveland, but it's been longer than that. And yeah, I agree. That's that's not a guy you mortgage your future for. And if they make that mistake, it'll be the same mistake they made to get them into the terrible roster that they started this very season with. What can they do? I guess is 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 my question. Is are they kind of stuck running it back and hope Austin Reeves develops as like more of a, a scorer or what? Because they they do have some nice pieces, but the Lakers they do look like a roster that is maybe one star away from really contending as as Western as as NBA title favorites. What what can they do this this offseason? It feels like they've kind of sold the farm for what they have right now. It doesn't doesn't feel like they have a lot of options left, Audrey. Uh, absolutely not, and I think. I don't think run it back is as bad of an option as it might sound. Honestly, I think this, they, they overperformed this year, uh, some breakout stars in Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura getting incredible minutes when the lights are the brightest. Uh, I mean, Tristan Thompson even shows some promise tonight. I think if they can just show some patience for the first time in Lord knows how long and just build this roster. I mean, as long, assuming they can keep the roster together because I think Austin Reeves is going to get a big old paycheck this summer. And I don't think it's going to be from Los Angeles, but if they can find a way to keep most of the squad together and run it back, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. I definitely don't think a coaching change is in order. I do like Darvin Ham uh, and what he's done so far for the Lakers. But your thoughts, Ethan? I think you had something there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of a miracle that they even got to this roster that they have at this point. Like, like they really got themselves out of a bind at the trade deadline by making some pretty smart moves. Um but they kind of exhausted a lot of their resources in order to get to that point. And you mentioned the thing with Austin Reeves, I believe the max they can offer him is 50 million over 40 years. Um, I think that there's going to be some other teams that are probably going to be willing to pay him a little bit more than that. So uh, we'll see if he cares about the money or if he wants to end up staying in LA, but odds are he might end up leaving. Um, D'Angelo Russell is going to need a contract. He did not look great in this series. So perhaps they just let him walk, but it's not like you can just replace that salary slot regardless. So um, but that's know, the thing. That's the thing yeah. about the Lakers, though, is that they they are always going to be, by virtue of just who they are, a big free agency destination. So, you know, they did give up a lot of assets to get to this current roster, but it's still the Lakers, and there are still a million guys in this league, especially if they think that it's a legitimate shot at a title, who will take a pay cut to go play on that scene with LeBron. I don't think Austin Reeves is or should be one of them. I think he is having a breakout season and history shows us that this might not last very, you know, too long. So I think he should go get his bag, but I don't think the Lakers have any, any problems recruiting somebody to, to replace him in free agency. They they've got that covered forever. Yeah. They're going to have to figure out just ways to find more depth too. Cause if they do end up losing guys like Reeves and Hachimura is going to need an extension as well. I know he has one year left on his rookie contract, so you can at least hold on to him for a season, but uh, they're going to need to find some ways to replace a couple of guys uh, because this roster for as good as it was, it still has some holes um, and it, the depth wasn't always there. They turned to Tristan Thompson today, so they're going to have to find some other pieces. And with that, I think we've spent enough time on the Lakers who have now been eliminated from the playoffs. We look here at the Nuggets. That I just want to say, being a Jazz fan, knowing the limitations of being a quote-unquote smaller market, it is pretty incredible what they've done with this roster. I mean, 
the fact that they've drafted this well, that they found the player, like credit to them, they took a shot on Michael Porter and he paid off in, in spades. Nikola Jokic is a guy they took and they developed and they put, put in a lot of time and effort in on. Same with Jamal Murray. These are most of the roster is homegrown players. And then the Aaron Gordon trade obviously was huge for them last year. He really was a huge part of this team getting to the finals this year. I don't know. It just, you know, it feels nice to know that even if you are a team that's not ever going to be a destination market for free agents, that you still can build up and build a title contender, which which the Nuggets have done. And, and they've had great coaching, too. I mean, I think Mike Malone is just one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL when you consider what he does with Nikola Jokic and how limited a guy like Joel Embiid looked in the last series like you just look at what the Nuggets do with Jokic on motions and getting him running through screens and he, he moves around like Steph Curry sometimes and it feels like sometimes with the Sixers what ended up happening was Joel Embiid just kind of got stuck posting guys up or, or getting caught in double teams I, I think it's just really impressive what the Nuggets have done and I just want to give them their their flowers because I know this and they'll people be stupid and say asterisks or whatever because it was a weird year where the West was down but they truly were one of the best teams in the NBA from start to finish and they showed it and they pretty much dominated every single playoff series they were a part of they are one of the most dominant and I think the best team in remaining in these playoffs and I, I think outside of I'd make the argument that Jimmy Butler is the best player remaining in these playoffs, but I, I'd say Nikola Jokic is pretty damn close to that. So uh, it's I just I, I think I don't know. Aramis shaking his head at me, but I just think I just think it's cool that like we get the Nuggets in the finals for once instead of like the Warriors or the Lakers or all these big market teams with these guys that have dominated forever. It's nice to see a team that built through the draft, built through sucking for years and years and years, get to this point and now have a chance to make it all worth it and win a title. Anyone have any thoughts on that? Oh, man, I agree. The only thing I'm shaking my head about is the Utah Jazz stuff, but we'll leave that in Utah where they're not making the playoffs. Um, I just I, – you're right, 100%, man. This is nice to see. It's nice to see a team building the right way and being able to handle their stuff. So, so I kind of saw with the Warriors and Ethan how they was building up their super teams and whatnot. So hopefully some more franchises can get a little bit more confidence and do some more team building and make shit interesting. It's it's just been, you know, it's been smart, right? Their core guys have all been drafted by the team. Obviously, Jokic, you know, being a second-round pick, nobody expected he would turn into this. Um, but the fact that he has and, you know, you have you drafted Jamal Murray, drafted Michael Porter Jr., smart trades for veterans like, you know, KCP and Aaron Gordon and signing Bruce Brown in free agency. Like, these are all winning players. Their roster has been built completely organically, and they've done it, you know, in very smart ways. So, you know, if it's not going to be your favorite team in the finals, it's always good to see a team that has homegrown talent that's built this way. I think it's good for the sport. Likewise, I think I think the NBA 
needed desperately the last after the last I think like era of the playoffs, which was Steph versus LeBron. They needed parity and they needed uh, the small markets to thrive again. I think as much as everybody bitches and moans about how dominant the Spurs were for a long time, you gotta admit it was nice to see a a smaller market thrive and in a in a truly homegrown team built from scratch. And I'm I'm hoping that we can do the same thing with Wemby, but that's a conversation for later in the pod. Yeah, uh, it's just nice to have a change of pace. We can switch now to the Eastern Conference Finals. And um, I'll, I'll just give a floor to Aramis. I mean, it, I don't think there's been a single person on this podcast that has stayed with a take more courageously and been more right than uh, than our, our good friend Aramis Hicks. Pretty, fr- pretty much from the jump of this podcast at the, back in October, said, look out for the Heat. Watch out for the Heat. They're a team to watch. They're a team to keep an eye on and we kind of I kind I clowned you when they when they were up and down in the regular season and I clowned you when they almost lost in the playing game but here they are they're on the brink of winning a series they look like a very talented team they're like four or five players but you're like wow the, these look like championship level players and it, it it doesn't help that they have like next gen uh michael jordan on the team too so uh yeah the floor is yours aramis i mean we're how like did you see this coming or are you are you as shocked as the rest of the world at basically how easily the the heat have waltzed their way through and i will just say this i know they're up 3-0 they're not in the finals but let's be honest they're going to the finals boston might win tomorrow night it might go five but the Heat are going to the finals. That's a foregone conclusion. What I mean, did you did you foresee this kind of dominance, Aaron Aramis, or are you even surprised at how good they are? I want to start with the Heat stuff first, with that team specifically. Shout out to them and all their players doing all this amazing work. Um, they were struggling throughout their regular season. And um in these playoffs, you listen to Coach Bo talk about what they had to deal with this season. They say kind of this prepared them. I think it was the end of tail end of the regular season. They were in like nothing but a month full of like last minute, last second games and stuff like that. Train like accidentally training for like these kind of clutch moments that they're finding themselves in more and more this season. Um, I definitely didn't see this coming. Um, I was a big fan of this series last year. This was an amazing series. Um, it was a knockdown drag out fight. Um, I remember getting hyped thinking the Heat were gonna lose because the Celtics were more ta- Celtics are a more talented team last year. And I felt pretty much the same way coming in this year. I thought the Celtics were talented. Um uh the my, my main thought was that the Celtics are a very talented team, that they're gonna come in, they're gonna be able to handle their business against the Heat team, against this Heat team. Um there was a little bit of a caveat because they played with their food throughout playoffs but I gave them credit that this team took them to seven last year and that they would respect them and I was very wrong about that um I thought that he might get one optimistically I didn't think they'd get two I didn't think the heat the Celtics would let themselves get embarrassed and sit all their starters throughout the entire fourth quarter of the game three um and there's actually a quote um by two players from the both from both teams that kind of uh, crystallizes this series for me. Jalen Brown, I don't, I don't like to like just isolate quotes or anything. I listened to the whole thing, and this really stood out. And um, he said, "To their credit, they're playing well, well above their means, and they're balling. 
He said he's giving respect to them, but he names all of the classic undrafted players, the Max Strews, Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent. Um, those are guys that we can that we should be keeping a handle on, but credit to them because they're playing hard. And then you contrast that with the big clip of Chuck and Gabe Vincent kind of yucking it up after the game, talking about how Gabe Vincent sees things, talking about, oh, well, we respect them, respect them as a team. We got to go in to um, the next game ready and focused. I'd, I'd understand if this was fucking game one, game two maybe even, and you just barely lost the hard-fought battle some shit. You got – there was no point in any three of these games that I don't know if y'all felt this way that I thought the Heat were in trouble. The, the Celtics would make runs, and then as soon as a little bit late into the third and fourth quarter would come, complete and utter collapse. And it's not just new for this playoffs. It happened last year against the Warriors and against the Heat where Jalen Brown and um, Jason Tatum seemingly forgot how to dribble the basketball and would cross over into Max Strew still, uh, Draymond Green still, uh, all these bad, horrible plays. They, they kept the same mistakes from last year. They're not making adjustments. I know Coach Missoula, like is going to be the biggest scapegoat for this, but at this point of an ass whooping, you have to have pride in yourself. That's why, like, if, I don't know how y'all feel about the um, – Oh my gosh, about the um, Grant Williams headbutt and all that stuff. But if you've been watching these games and you think that's the reason they're losing, you ain't been watching because the Celtics are getting bitched, completely and utterly bitched, and they don't deserve to be nowhere in this playoffs, man. They are not respecting their opponents, and this is exactly what they get. I didn't see it coming, but this is what they get for playing like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're spot on, man. Like, this Celtics team, to me, like, they just – these issues have been crystal clear dating back to the finals last year. I think, you know, a lot of it can come down to coaching and their stars underperforming, but I think one of the biggest things for me is the way the Celtics are on their offense. Um, it's just a lot of, like, isolation, like, okay, your turn, my turn. You know, Tatum, go take somebody off the dribble, get a shot. Okay, Jalen Brown, go take somebody off the dribble, get a shot. They don't run movement offense. They like to run a lot of isos um, and just like simple actions. And I just think that's kind of easy to defend, especially if the other team has a really good coach. And the two examples that you just gave of Steve Kerr and Eric Spolstra absolutely just exposing the Celtics in the biggest moments. They, they've completely, you know, been circles have been coached around Udoka in the finals last year and Joe Mazzulli even more so now. The Celtics have some big issues. They... Like you said, they're not respecting their opponent. They didn't take the heat seriously from the jump. And this is the result they're getting. And I just don't know where you go from here with this roster because, I mean, they just got totally embarrassed. They're good, but not good enough to win the title. And it just is what it is at this point. It's it's strange. Uh, it is strange because you, you go back. I've... I, Personally, I think I've I've cursed the Celtics. I, I I came into this year really liking them. They people forget they they started the year so well. They they look pretty much like the best team in the NBA from about October to Christmas, and then something happened in January where they just Jason Tatum fell off a cliff. Like he 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 has not played good basketball for the a stretch of about six months now. I mean, Ethan and I saw it in person when they played the Jazz in late February. Like, but but even two or three weeks before that, Jason Tatum 
have fallen off a cliff in terms of what he was producing before. And then you go into the playoffs and you think you hear about like, oh, they're they're prepared, they're you know, they're they're focused. This team has been here before, they've seen it all. And you, you, I I early in this podcast in the playoff round, I said, you know, adults in the room. And almost exactly like an episode after I said that, they lose to the Hawks. And, and you start to think, okay, what, what's happening here? And to be completely honest with you, if the Sixers were not such a dog shit basketball team, there is no reason they should have lost game seven. There is absolutely no reason they should have lost game six by that matter. But the Celtics, if they had played a good team in the second round, would have gotten bounced in six. That's that's just the matter of fact, because they don't respect their opponents. They don't play hard. They don't play defense anymore. Last year, they played defense. That's why I like the Celtics, because I like teams that play defense. And really, starting with that Hawks series, they just didn't play defense. Like, what are we doing here? The Coast Contra line does, uh, goes, the point is I guard the kids. I should play for the Celtics. But it's, it's just not the case. They don't play defense. They must not play for the Celtics. Like, like well, what is happening here? I, I mean, to call the Celtics a colossal failure would be an understatement. I think if you look at one team that we have talked about here, be of and this can be our kind of transition into teams that have been eliminated between, you know, the Sixers, the Warriors, the Lakers, and the Celtics. The biggest disappointment there is the Celtics, by far. I I, I don't think there's really any if ands, or buts about it. I mean, you kind of knew what the Warriors were going in. You knew the Sixers were a flawed team with a flawed coach and and James Harden hoping for James Harden to be their second round playoff savior, which has literally never happened in NBA history. And then you have the Lakers who were captained by 45 year old LeBron James and a barely healthy for most of the season, Anthony Davis, like the Celtics are a young competitive team with a deep roster. There is absolutely no excuse that this series has not been competitive other than they just, slept on the heat and didn't come to play. And I mean, it, it's honestly disheartening to watch. I, I like the Celtics. I, I I like cheering for the Celtics, but they 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 do not deserve to be in this moment. And hopefully tomorrow they will get swept because they, they don't even deserve to win a game at this point. They are that bad. Some fire and brimstone from Eric. Man's preaching this episode. He might be set. He might set the record for most uh, unhinged dialogue or monologues. That was a. Uh, <laughs> you got a lot in your mind with these Celtics. I mean, it's just like I bought in that they were kind of my Eastern Conference team this year. Obviously, the Jazz were never going to do anything this year. Like I had to pick a you know, latch on to something else. I got a Jason Tatum jersey. Like. What what the hell are we doing here, guys? Like, like come, come on now. Like the Boston Celtics were your like NFTs. Like you're just mad because you got tricked and now you're fucking hold <laughs> you're, you're stuck holding the bag. You're stuck holding your hundred ten dollar Tatum jersey. 
Let me tell y'all this right now. That Tatum jersey, best investment I ever made. Yeah. And happy birthday or Christmas, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very I, happy you fell in your hands, man. Just, I mean, real quick on the Celtics before we move on. I, I think that we're going to get some stories from the locker room coming out after this series is over. Um, it looks like a fractured locker room to me, and I think it's going to come down to the fact that both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are playing for big contracts right now, um, coming up on those 300 million Supermax extensions this offseason for, for Brown, next summer for Tatum um, with the new CBA changes. I, I just think that both of those guys are gunning for that big money, and they know they're kind of on the line of getting that huge contract or not especially Brown. Um, and I think the way he plays shows he's kind of angling for that contract. Um, I guess, I guess my, one last thing for me too. Um, do you guys think that um, Jalen Brown has been brought up in a lot of trade rumors and whatnot? And I wonder if this season, because of the KD madness in Brooklyn, if Celtic, because I think there were reports about Celtics having talks with the Nets about that possibility trading Jalen for them. You think that might, that could be some of the reason between the drama fueling that up, them really, like every season they're about to trade him yeah i mean it's been a thing for jalen brown he's been in trade rumors a lot um that could definitely be part of it and they may still trade him uh with that contract coming up or do they have an appetite to pay both those guys all that money maybe not i mean i don't know are we being too harsh on the celtics here with the first year head coach and a team that just went to the finals last year I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I mean, Robert Williams gets better every year. Like, I man, I, I don't know if Missoula is the long-term solution. Yeah. But beyond that, I don't think this is necessarily like a a monster failure. Like, I see, a, I see a better path for this Celtics roster winning a title in the next three years than I do for that Sixers roster winning a title in the next three years. And if you want to hold Boston up as the biggest disappointment in the conference, I don't know. I think they can still do it. And I think, I don't know, hey, maybe you, you know, maybe they do get that contract and they can lock in a, a a real head coach that doesn't watch Ben Affleck's The Town four times a week and save his timeouts <laughs> from game to game. And I don't know. I don't think I'm all the way out on the Celtics team yet. I think they still have a lot to prove. And I think Jason, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were cursed by how fantastic their first couple of years in the league were. I think they developed uh, extremely high expectations right off right out of the gate. And I don't think they've necessarily failed to live up to those yet by any means. I think they... I think they've, with their impressive play, they've bought themselves a little more time than this to get to that title, especially considering that they made it to the finals last year and lost to a very legit Warriors team. I, I don't think they're out yet. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fair point, but this Celtics team has been together longer than I think some people realize um, just because they were winning so much when those guys were young. Like, I think part of the issue that a lot of people have is that they have so much playoff experience and they're going out like this. Um, you know, Tatum and Brown are both young. Tatum's only like 24, Brown's 26, but they've been in the playoffs every single year, been in the conference finals, you know, who knows how many times. And the fact that they're still going out in this fashion, um, you know, if they had lost like in a, in a hard fought six, seven game series where some of the games were close, it would be a different story, but they're about to get swept. I think some of that, you know, that outrage against that team is is probably justified from the fans. Very Since, fair. And I think there, there do need to be some pretty big changes, but we'll see what that takes form of. Sorry, Eric, go ahead. Since 2016-2016, they make their first conference finals under Vitatum. 
uh, core. They they get pretty much trounced by the Cavs, to be expected. The next year, they take the Cavs to seven, but it's a conference finals loss again. Then they lose in the conference semifinals to the Bucs, the year the Bucs win the title. Then last year, uh, no, sorry, pardon me, the year prior to uh, 2019, pardon me, you know, they go back to the conference finals against the Heat again. They lose to the Heat in six. Then they lose in the first round to the Nets the next year, which was just baffling and astonishing and then last year they win the finals like i i do under i'm just trying to voice the frustration of celtics fans i mean because if you look people hold up the celtics as if they are this great tiffany franchise but they have won one title in the past like 30 years and it it's it's just like if you have a core that is getting you to the conference finals every single year at this point, and you, you still don't have a, a title out of them, I, I can understand how that would wear on people. And, and I, I mean, I don't think that they should blow up the core by any means, but I definitely think they need to make a coaching change at least. I mean, there, there's no way you can run back this whole thing. And like, like Ethan said, this, this does feel like a group that has been together for a long time and they haven't won for a long time. And this is how things happen in the NBA. You know, you have a core that grows up, that develops together. And eventually they just can't break through a certain wall for the jazz. It was a second round. And then people's feelings get hurt and we see teams get redistributed. So that, that that's just where I'm coming from right now. I don't think that the Celtics, you know, are some huge failure. Like, obviously, the Sixers are in a much worse spot. Like, what are the Sixers going to do? We can talk about them in a second. But still, I mean, it feels like last year they were so close. They broke through. They ran into an all-time player in Steph Curry and an all-time team in the Golden State Warriors. And it felt like this year could be the year that they just stepped up and they said, okay, we are the team. We are the team of destiny. Let's go get our ring. And it just feels like a year that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown for the first time are really truly in their primes where they are playing at an elite level. I would say this was the best season of Jalen Brown's career. Would you agree with that, Ethan? I'd also say it was the best year in some ways of Jason Tatum's career. Like, and you didn't get a championship appearance out of that. Like it, that's and where I, I come down. It's got to like hurt extra, right? It's, it's got to hurt extra too for the Celtics, knowing that the Bucks got knocked out in a very, you know, not not necessarily a fluke. Now that we know just how great this Heat team is, but I mean, the bane of their existence being those Bucks, like just getting that huge obstacle out of the way without having to do it yourself, and then here we are, like getting like three zero to the Heat. Like, come on, like this, like as you said, this was their best window in the height of the peak of the careers of these two. And then you shit the bed like that, and we're all wondering, is it going to be a sweep or is it going to be five games? Like, that's crazy. Like, you, yeah, I, I, I can definitely understand where that frustration is coming from. And if I was a Celtics fan, I'd probably be, I'd probably be doing the same thing too. I'd be, I'd be throwing eggs at Ben Affleck's house. Like, if if this is if this is going to Game Five 
tied two two. It's a completely different story. It's oh, look at how scrappy the Heat are. Look at like how they're staying in the series. If the Celtics lose in seven to this Heat team, people are like, man, it was just a team of destiny. But to get embarrassed the way they have three times in a row, and to probably get swept tomorrow night, that is cause for anger and concern. And, and it makes the Lakers look yeah. good. They actually make yeah. the Lakers look good. Like it took some pressure off of the Lakers. Like I've never, I've never seen anything like it. Like for as much as the media loves to talk about the Lakers, they actually comparatively like shit. At least they tried. Like they had some phenomenal. Like they lost all those games. Obviously, they just got swept. We just watched that game, but they had some phenomenal performances, including tonight, that genuinely could have fallen either way. And it's certainly a testament to the Nuggets closing out more than it is to the Lakers. You know, not closing out or choking, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, I think they all the pressure is off LA now. And now it's look at the Celtics. They shit the bed. They sat their starters for the fourth quarter. They don't know what they're doing. And now all of a sudden, I think that, that, that alleviates some tension from, from LA to, to bolster my point about how they don't really need to make that many changes to run it back in the West. I think we've talked about the Celtics enough. Um, Ethan, I did just want to give you, you know, your, your moment on on the Warriors, obviously, since we last talked, they got beat by the Lakers. Obviously, Draymond Green is is important, but I, you know, I I will say this: I don't think there's a player I've come around on more this season than Draymond Green, especially. And and here's what really solidified it for me: is I forget who he's doing the interview with. I think it's inside the NBA, but they asked him point blank about the Jordan Poole stuff. And he was like, yeah, like it affected my relationship. And he basically said, I fucked up. Like, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I wasn't able to be a good leader this year. And that kind of screwed us. And like to have that level of accountability and maturity from Draymond Green, a person who I didn't really expect that from. I, I just I have a lot more respect from him. And I, I think the Lakers, but pardon me, the Warriors will try to keep him. And I think trying to keep him is a good idea, but I, I do think some serious changes will also come. I could see them moving on from a guy like Jordan Poole, and I don't know what Andrew Wiggins' status is like, but, you know, it, it's – it's I, I could definitely see a few – what do you do with Clay Thompson? There, there are more questions on this roster than just Draymond Green, but weirdly enough, I feel the most secure – if you had to pick between Draymond Green and Clay Thompson right now, I'd say pick Draymond Green because – Clearly, you know, the defense ages well. He's still he's still defended well. He was still a good leader. You know, that story that came out in the athletic where after his suspension in the King series, he basically went, drove to Chase Center and was told Steph, like, hey, I'm coming off the bench the next game, and basically took that as a strategy for the rest of the playoffs. Like, I I think you have to keep a guy like him around and you know what you have to i don't know i i just think he is way more important to their future success than a guy like clay thompson is because clay thompson has I, i'll just say it i it looked in that lakers series like he had fallen off a cliff like uh, it looks like he is on the back half of his career and i don't know what to expect from him the rest of the way okay 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 hold on you said a whole lot there but setting aside the respect that you've gained for Draymond Green, all this respect for doing the right thing and doing the mature thing, 
do you want to talk about the fact that he put them in that situation in the first place as a veteran guy who's been on their team for how long, who's 33 years old, who, so not only do you punch your teammate in the start of the season, which irreparably affects the team, the team chemistry. He said that in that interview, and then to go get yourself suspended in the playoff series against the Kings again, for the how many time he's done this in his fucking career where he just lets his mouth run ahead of himself and gets him and the team in trouble and makes them play extra games and needless games or lose series because he can't keep his temper under control. The man is 33 years old. He has gray patches in his beard, and he's already trying out to be the next NBA on TNT guy when he retires. I don't want to hear shit about how it was mature that he like turned it around after he did the thing that fucked everybody over. He got suspended, but then he went to this arena and told Steph Curry, oh, I'm going to lock in. Where were you not locking in before? You're 33 years old. This is not the first time you've done this. Why weren't you locked in when you went off and punched your own teammate in the face coming into his extension year? It's just mind-boggling that people continue to give Draymond so much credit because he's built a reputation that he can be as awful and annoying and shitty and have such a foul temper, but because they win every year, it's all of a sudden like this element of his championship caliber play versus just making him like that like matt barnes like it's not impressive like it's i don't know like i i i I don't like draymond i'm a full-on draymond hater full disclosure but like he is far too old and is not only far too old and has done this shit far too many times to be still making the same mistake and i'm if i'm a warriors fan i'm done with that shit after after this long what do you think ethan you're a warriors fan yeah um both of you just said a lot of things there and some of it i agree with and some of it i don't um on the Draymond thing, I, I really don't have too many thoughts on it. Like, I agree with you, Audrey. The fact that he was the reason for the Jordan Poole incident, completely his fault, fucked up the team chemistry from day one of the season. They never recovered from it. Everybody in the team spoke about that after the season was over. Steve Kerr did, Clay, Steph, Draymond, Jordan Poole. All of them talked about how that incident, you know, if that doesn't happen, Draymond said they'd still be playing. I don't know if that's true. We're never going to know if that's true. But they were the sixth seed after winning the title the previous year. That's a failure. They didn't get out of the second round after winning the title with basically the same roster. That's another failure. I just, like, pinning it all on Draymond I think is unfair. But at the same time, yeah, he's the reason for it. So that's that. I do think that they're going to bring him back. I don't think there's a chance that they let him leave. Um because he's become part of this package deal. I think with the Warriors right now, I'm going to look at it the same way that we saw the Spurs kind of riding out the twilight years with Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker. And, you know, eventually, yeah, Tony Parker ended up leaving the team to go to the Hornets, whatever. But the Hornets or the Warriors right now, they have so much loyalty and equity built within the trio of, of Steph, Clay, and Draymond. And those three guys want to ride it until the wheels fall off. And as a guy that has seen them win four titles together, I just don't know if anybody can tell them that's wrong. So even with the skyrocketing luxury tax and the new CBA and all that stuff, I just think that they're going to make it a priority as an organization to keep those three together until the end of their career and whatever happens, happens. And I said this after the finals last year, if they don't win another title, I'm satisfied. They got four rings out of this core. That's much more than you can ask for. And I would rather see Clay Thompson play out the rest of his career in a Warriors jersey than to see him leave and have them win another title without him. 
I just, I love these players. I want to see them finish their career with a team. That's really all I care about at this point. Whatever else has to happen to make that happen, you know, do it. If you have to trade Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, I think all those guys have potential. I think they're going to end up being good, but so be it. Um, I just think that you have to keep this roster together, make some smarter moves around the margins, maybe trade in some of the youth for more proven talent and, and try to run this thing back for two to three more seasons and see where we're at. Um, I, I'm a, yeah, everybody said a lot about the Warriors, man. Shout out to them. Um, Draymond's a piece of that, like Ethan said. He's a big piece of what they do. He's a big piece of what they've been doing. And let's let's be honest here, man. If you trade one, they all going to end up leaving. And do we really want Stephen Curry to finish his career in Charlotte? Anybody? No. No, we don't. No, we don't. So let's just keep them together. Draymond, we can get him a punching bag. We can get faces of his teammates so he can get out his anger, get out all this frustration and bullshit, and then hopefully he don't hit nobody else in the next uh, the next playoff series. I mean, and, and to be fair or to be clear, I do I do totally agree that like those guys, those three have brought everything to this franchise and made it what it is, and they will all have statues. And I I think as much as I hate Draymond, I think all three of them are well within their rights to ask for all the money in the world every year until they decide to not uh, want to play basketball anymore. I think, I think to Ethan's point, like they gave them the four, the four rings, one of the most incredible dynasties in sports history. It reshaped the, the game of basketball shit. Give them all maxes till they all, till, till they retire. They deserve it. They, they really do. And I also agree that I don't want, I don't want, it would be weird to see any of them on different teams uh, more so, I guess, Steph than others. But um, I, I don't think there's any realistic chance to happen. I think they, I think they pay at least Steph and Clay, and I'd be shocked if not also Draymond till the end of their careers. And it depends on if they want to, uh, you know, play nice and and get a little bit less money and and try to like let the roster keep going, or you know, pull what a lot of stars do towards the end and just continue raking in the maxes until their time is up, and then do a full rebuild from there. But they they deserve it either way. Finally, before we, we uh, I give uh, Audrey a chance to do a quick victory lap on the Spurs getting a generational talent. Um, we can all agree, you know, as we have uh, chatted about here, all these teams have been eliminated. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers, like... What like what, is there a chance? Is there a chance that they just blow this whole thing up this offseason and they say, okay, well, we tanked for a long time and we got a generational player, but then we surrounded him with Ben Simmons and James Harden and Doc Rivers and expected him to win us a championship with basically the worst supporting cast possible. Like maybe we just play it out next year, try to stay competitive. And then the next contender comes along and says, Hey, Oh, like here are, here's your eight, first round draft picks for the next eight years for Joel Embiid and let's just start over because 
what else can they do at this point? Where what, what the other option is, I guess, pay James Harden, which is at this point in his career sounds like a really terrible idea that 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 will definitely backfire 100%. Or I guess like wait for Tyrese Maxey to become like the next all NBA guard, which like he's shown flashes at points, but he's never consistent enough to do it. And, you know, Tobias Harris is only getting older and like you're running out. George's Niang is one of your like rotation guys. Like what, 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 what were we doing guys? Just, I don't know. I do. It isn't crazy for me to think that the Celtics at some point this summer, if Joel Embiid takes a look, and doesn't an a, a realistic evaluation of his career just says, "Hey, like I love the city of Philadelphia. I won my MVP here. Like we've got great memories, but like this isn't working, and they don't have the capital to make it work. I need to go chase rings. You know, I I don't think it's crazy to think we get to July and that happens. Um, oh. in pra- in practice, this team." Felt like uh, this con- the construction of this team, the building of it felt like the worst idea ever. Um, Daryl Morey's a good GM, he's a fun GM, um, coaching those teams, and he brought in Harden, um, a player who, I mean, I shout out to him, he did great. He was a pretty good, decent facilitator for them. Uh, disappeared in that game seven, man. MVP Joel Embiid, the Denver Nuggets. We like, we love talking about them. Um, Fell off a couple games towards the end of the season. Now Joel Embiid's the MVP. Disappeared in that game seven. So I, I don't know what's gonna happen. Um, I that's a that's a lot to take in. A lot to consider. Like you, we like it is a bad idea to keep James Harden, but they want to keep James Harden. They are actively terrified of all the wonderful strip clubs he's gonna go back to in Houston because ever since the all-star break that's what they've been talking about him going back to Houston. So like it's gonna it I don't I don't know man. I think they're gonna continue on um building in the wrong direction and I I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same nucleus minus James Harden in Houston um to end up dealing with the same type of stuff. I mean you're not you're gonna have a different coach of course uh I don't know who you're gonna maybe you can pick up Monty Williams from Phoenix and he can help solve unlock Joel Embiid in some different way. Um, Tobias Harris maybe needs to look up some of the clips of Jimmy Butler saying that shit, talking that same shit about him over me and motivate himself for next season. But it's not. I don't think I don't think it's gonna happen for him. Man. I think uh, Joel Embiid is gonna end up asking for some type of trade. I don't know where to, but I think he's gonna be peace out in the next two three years. I, I'll humor you for a second, Eric. I think the chance of him asking for a trade this summer is not zero. However, it's like four or five years left on his contract still. I don't know how much leverage he has in that situation. I think it's far more likely that we're going to see a restructuring of the Sixers. Um, everybody, all the reporters, everybody around the NBA seems to think it's a foregone conclusion that Harden does indeed go back to Houston. So, Presuming that that's what we see, he's going to be gone. You have Tobias Harris finally entering his expiring year of his contract. So maybe you can trade that for something. He's finally going to be off the books. Um, They've been trying to trade him ever since Daryl Morey got there. He's been trying to trade him. Um, Maybe this is the year they can finally make that happen. I don't think you're getting much, but at least to kind of shuffle the deck a little bit um, and just kind of see what you can do with a different coach and, and a restructured roster and, 
we're going to do the same old song and dance next May because the Sixers are going to be a second round exit again. And we all know it. So that's where they're going. Yeah. It's tough. All right, Audrey. I will be honest. I don't really care for, uh, you know, to talk about, you know, Victor Wimbledon. All we do is see clips of his tall, lanky little French guy uh, who's who's very skinny and frail looking and looks like he could be snapped in half quite easily by any player that actually has a, a strength in the uh, NBA. But we're going to talk about him like he's the next LeBron James for the next month and a half. So, uh, I mean, the floor is yours, I guess. We're, 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 we're on our way. Cry about it more, you baby back bitch. It's Spurs time. I'm so spurs up right now. You have no idea. I was in a grocery store. I was in a Safeway grocery store watching that shit on Fubo on my phone, which is a garbage app. And, oh, man, I jumped for fucking joy. I screamed my little heart out. The first pick goes to the San Antonio Spurs. Now, I will say, all of this gloating is obviously asterisked by please Price, let him be able to stay healthy and be an NBA player. But assuming he can fulfill even half of what they've been saying this weekend, which is frankly insane over the top clickbait shit about him. Um, I think Spurs I fans are going to be really happy. I, and, love, and, the, and, I, I do love, I do love the tweet where who, I, I, it's Chris Broussard or whatever. He's like, yeah. if this guy isn't Hakeem, uh, KD, or KD, yeah, or, or like, who was the third guy? So, somebody. He, he said if he ends up as good as those players, that he'll be a disappointment. That's, a, that's insane. Yeah, All that shit's insane. Wildly stupid. No, I think Richard Jefferson said on the lottery night that he is the best, uh, the the best draft prospect in NBA history. And, and then he goes, in fact, he might be the best draft draft prospect in sports history. That, that shit's Woj. insane. Woj, was yeah. that Woj? Woj said That's that shit. nuts. Mm-mm. Okay. Everybody three called times on their lottery night. Yeah. <laughs> Way too much. No, 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 no. But I am extremely, extremely excited that the Spurs not only got Wimby, but they've got him into a roster that is built to fit around his position that he plays in. He's already extremely close with the Spurs franchise. His last two teams that he played for were owned by Boris Diaw and Tony Parker. He has connections. They have a track record of developing young center talent, uh, power forward talent as well. Check the, check the ring case. It's, it's all there and it's, it's set up for him and assuming he's the real deal and, you know, puts the work in and can stay healthy. I think this is the best possible place for him to have landed and the best possible scenario for the Spurs in their rebuild. And not to mention in the next, Three drafts. I mean, including this one, we have what ne- next draft twenty twenty four. We have uh three firsts and two seconds. Twenty five. We have three firsts and three seconds. Uh, so either draft those players or package them around somebody to get some help for Wemby if he ends up having the real deal in his rookie season. I've had this fantasy, this beautiful dream ever since I saw that ping pong ball drop out. Of Wemby has a really great, nice rookie season. Uh, Spurs draft Bronny next year. Is it next year that Bronny comes out? And then LeBron yes. goes and decides to play for the Spurs on the last contract of his career and retires after that. Plays plays with Pop, who he loves. Gets Bronny on the squad. <laughs> Bronny and Wemby and LeBron to fucking run out Pop's final title. Fucking give it to me, dude. I am hyped up about my San Antonio Spurs. 
That That'd be seems crazy. Like my fucking worst yeah. nightmare of all time. <laughs> I mean, I think I would literally vomit if that happened. Uh, I would too, but out of sheer sexual joy. Oh man. Jesus. <laughs> oh man. Quote all there. Please name me one good player, one above average NBA player on the current Spurs roster. This was a team that barely won 20 games last year. Well, yeah, Quote, duh, we're taking Devin Vassell slander, Jeremy Sohan slander, Keldon Johnson, Trey Jones, Victor Wembanyama is going to body Keldon Johnson. Are you okay? I need you to do me a favor. Hold on, I need you to do me a favor real quick. No. No, no, I need to do me a favor real quick. And get off the phone and talk about your bitching about the ninth pick for the goddamn jazz. Why don't we talk about that, huh? While well, Audrey I mean, was going celebrating, twerking that ass out of fucking Kroger, your ass called me up crying and shit about this goddamn jazz and the goddamn ninth You, okay, you know I'm going to read, I'm gonna read y'all the text that Eric sent me. You guys want to hear the text Eric has sent me on? Ridiculous. Oh my this, God, this. bro. You will be head all you up with Jesus Christ. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Here's, here's Eric's text to me. 5.27 p.m. on Tuesday. Must be nice to be a Tiffany franchise for the NBA rig shit for constantly. <laughs> Yawn. He'll be wasted. The Jazz was literally never going to get a top pick ever. They will never sign a good free agent ever. They will just be trapped in purgatory, sitting just outside or getting eliminated in the first round literally forever. You have seen how many cha- NBA championships in your lifetime? You are spoiled rotten by the NBA. Oh, my God. Wow. A colossal level, historic level meltdown. How does this affect Eric's legacy? I think you're an all timer after this one. We are, we are, we are the New York Jets of the NBA. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Like even I think the the Sacramento Kings are the New York Jets of the NBA, but I I, 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 care about the New York Jets. Hey, yeah, I was gonna say, where's your Aaron Rodgers bozo? Yeah. Oh man, that's so funny. I I love it. I love how you you in the middle you took a break from shitting on me to like. (laughs) <laughs> to lament about your jazz and then went right back to shitting on me. That was perfect. I just, I just, I just want to make a point of the synergy of this podcast. Thank God a small market is going to the NBA finals. Hey, fuck them Spurs and all them rings that they won in that little small market. My jazz will never win. It's great. It's just a Hope great bookend. NC. <laughs> That's all I have to say. That's all the all the bragging I have to do. I, I hope I, I'm excited for summer league. I hope he plays. I hope he turns up well. I am very, very, very high on my Spurs right now. Let's, let's all go party in Vegas for summer league. We'll do a live edition of the podcast. Let's do it. Yeah, with all <laughs> the money that the pod makes, we'll we'll use that for plane tickets. Yeah, yes, I, I, I will say this: when Bignana gets drafted to the Spurs, realistically, if he plays well, I think best case scenario is that they are, are a six to eight seed. I I, I really don't think that one player is going to make them no like and a, and i don't think so either i don't think we're west in year we're one. not a championship team no 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 no, no. i mean and, and yeah. again like we to be able to get in this position to get these players to get this guy we we suck like we're not great but the reason we suck is because we have a ton of young talent that has some promising upsides and like i said a bunch of draft capital to work around him i think if he has a good first season all of a sudden the free agency pool starts getting a lot better for the spurs I don't know. Sorry, Ethan. I think I cut you off, but but please continue. No, I mean, the, the all the celebrating that people are doing is not because they're going to win the finals in year one. It's because you're expecting this guy to have you know a, at least a twelve to fifteen year career with the team, 
uh, where they can build something competitive. And I'm just a little upset that he went to the Western Conference because uh, all of our favorite teams are going to have to go through him for the next however many years to get to the NBA Finals. God bless. Oh, my mind, we're meeting him in the finals. Shout out to Orlando. There you go. Hey, I'd love that. That's teams of the future, Spurs and, and Magic. Gross. All right. Uh, with that, we will call it a night. Thank you all uh, for joining me. Let's just very quickly go around and do some finals predictions. I think we'll probably reconvene, like, depending on how competitive the finals are, which I don't really know. Like, feels like anything could pretty much happen. I feel like maybe after like game three, we'll get together and uh, and do some NBA finals talking and then um, kind of a quiet off season podcast wise, but maybe we get together after big free agency stuff happens and, and stuff like that. Uh, but just very quickly, your NBA finals predictions. Uh, I'll start with you, Ethan. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we're going to assume that the Heat are going to be the ones to get there. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting series, man. Miami, uh, the amount of dogs in them per 36 is incredibly high. And uh, I just feel like they're going to really take it to Denver, man. But on the other end, Denver's an amazing team. Um, If anybody can defend Jokic, it might be Bam Adebayo. Um, I don't think that you're going to stop him you can maybe slow him down um if anybody has the best bet of doing that it's bam um jimmy butler is going to have to be at the top of his game um but ultimately i think as much as i would love to see the heat win the finals i think the nuggets are just the team they have the deeper roster they're super talented um they have guys off the bench that they can throw out there for every occasion um, so I'll go with the Nuggets in maybe six games. I think it could go seven, but I'll go six games. Audrey? Took the words right out of my mouth. I think absolutely the Nuggets are the better team here, but that has not mattered for the Heat at all so far. I, I'm also on the on board with uh, Nuggets in six. I think you're right. Bam has a good chance to give him trouble, and they match up well otherwise. But it's, it's going to be – I mean, I don't know, because both teams are – both teams, it's like you have the the star, and even if they're not scoring, you have a million other pieces around them that can that can make up for that. So I truly, I think it's a real like a, a real basketball fans perfect finals matchup, and it's going to be what I mean. As Adam Silver will cry and cry that there's no Lakers Celtics for all the money that that would make. Heat Nuggets will probably get half the viewership, but God, it'll be so much fun. I'm super super excited for this, and I think we get Nugs and Six. Yeah, Hermes. Um, I'm going to go against the grain, I guess. Um, I, I feel everything y'all are saying though. The Denver Nuggets are incredibly talented. I, me and my, me and my other homie were talking about this. I can, I can the Nuggets role players and the Lakers role players to MB, to the 96 Bulls playing against me and Eric at the park one day. Like that's how big of a talent gap I thought it was. So all respect due to the Nuggets and how good they be doing their things and whatnot. But I wonder how. I, I think the Heat do have enough to end up being though. I think the Heat shooters with every single person, 15 men up and down the roster, being able to get open for them little corners cuts with Bam and knocking down them shots. Um, I think um, Jimmy Butler is going to be an interesting matchup. Aaron Gordon is probably going to have to guard up him, but if he gets switched onto a Jamal Murray and they go Murray Hunt, I think that might 
cause a problem for the Denver Nuggets, and I think that they're just going to have enough to make this a rock fight, and I, I, I'm i comfortable with them in a rock fight. So I'm going Heat and six. Just very quickly, a nice little fuck you to the real casuals out there, all those crybabies on Twitter who are, who are whining about Oh no, the ratings. How will we ever recover? You know, Nuggets Heat. What a what a travesty for the fakers. NBA. Fakers. All who, of them fakers. Who cares? Like real sports fan. Please, please show me one real sports fan who gives a shit about TV ratings. Y'all don't work like, in the league office. Who right? cares? Yeah, you're, like, not, you're not cashing checks. Shut the hell like, up. Like, what are we doing here? This is the best team in the playoffs in the Denver Nuggets versus the best player in these playoffs in Jimmy Butler. And the best story of the playoffs with the Heat. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. like I still want the Nuggets to win. I, I still love the Nuggets and have a lot of respect for the team. But, oh, man, it would be really cool to see the Heat bring it all the way through and do it. Oh, It's, it, it's, it's amazing it's so to, like, be able to watch a Finals stress-free and just, like, enjoy good basketball. And, like, whoever wins – you'll be happy with the result. I, it's going to be great. Yeah, welcome to not having your team being in the finals. First time since you were like hey, nine years old. That's but, hey, we were hurt for two years. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Got the Spurs yeah. fan talking about all that years. We got the Warriors. 2014 was the last time we got one. We it's, it's been a little longer for us. You passed it right on to them. Sheesh, man. Yeah. That, that said, I've seen enough of Jimmy Butler over the past three years that he's getting into the Tom Brady slash Patrick Mahomes area of my brain. No, 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 no. Listen to me. Let me hear you. Let me hear you out, which is the two cardinal rules of football picking are don't pick against Tom Brady and don't pick against Patrick Mahomes. Oh, okay, 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 okay. In that sense, sure, but that was one hell of a start to that sentence. You gave Aramis a goddamn heart attack. Don't Jesus pick against Christ. Jimmy Butler. Okay, seven. that that for sure. That that don't bet against me. Clutch factor, like anything could happen. Totally, I I see that. I see what you're talking about. You, you just like to pull your dick out in front of everybody and just show them anything and then explain <laughs> what's going on. You fucking psycho! Oh my god, bro. Uh, that's that's only for the Patreon users to see. Hey yo, this just really went off the rails for me towards the end. Anyhow. Thank you all again. This is always a, a ton of fun. Let's get back together around maybe game two, actually, just in case, you know, we get another sweep. We'll, we'll say after game two, we'll record again. And uh, the NBA Finals. Enjoy your, your days off and uh, rest in peace, bosses. All right. <laughs> Lovely seeing y'all. Eric, you suck. Peace. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> see y'all next time. Peace out. <laughs>